and welcome to One Star Bazaar. We review the movies critics hated in search of the unfairly underrated. This week we visit never-ending reboot land and review the latest attempt at bringing the character of Dr. Doolittle to the big screen. Doolittle was written and directed by Stephen Gagan? 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 I don't know. <laughs> in theaters January 17th, 2020, starring Robert Downey Jr., Michael Sheen, Antonio Banderas, and many CGI animals voiced by super famous A-list actors. The studio synopsis was crazy long, so <laughs> we'll just say it's a reboot of the 1967 film based on the 1922 novel The Voyages of Dr. Doolittle by Hugh Lofting. Basically, it's a doctor who can talk to animals, and then they have fantastical adventures. Correct. Okay. <laughs> There's your synopsis. Doolittle has a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 26% on Metacritic, and an 86% from Google users. Since the reviews are so overwhelmingly negative, we're going to highlight some critics that had some nice things to say. Soren Anderson, my local critic that I grew up reading, by the way, from the Seattle Times, said, For a fun time to dispel the gloom of January, Doolittle is just what the doctor ordered. Kimmy Robinson of the Arizona Republic said that while Doolittle is unlikely to become a cult classic like its predecessors and doesn't necessarily transcend generations, it will likely find a captivated audience in its younger viewers. Richard Whitaker from the Austin Chronicle said for all its lumpen, awkward narrative, and sometimes less than dazzling CGI, there's a peculiarly... Pe peculiar... I have a hard time saying words. <laughs> Do you want me to start over? No. Okay. <laughs> you fit in. There's a peculiarly endearing and vibrant heart to Doolittle, and his name is Robert Downey Jr. So we saw Doolittle in theaters because it was our six-year-old's birthday party. We picked it begrudgingly because it was the only kids movie available at the time. Because I was like, oh, let's go see Frozen 2 again. Because I thought it, and it was not in theaters anymore. So I was like, uh, Doolittle is like the only kids movie out right now, but the Unfortunately, reviews are terrible. Our children have birthdays in February, both of them. <laughs> not a great time of year for not going great. to the movies. <laughs> so, okay. So let's hop into our review. So... Let's talk about, so one of the things that sometimes can drag a movie down is kid actors. Right. And there are two youth actors in this movie. Right. Um, one, the boy is more prominent than the girl because she kind of stays behind, whereas the boy goes on the adventure with Dr. Doolittle. Yes. Um, but I thought that they did a fine job. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was fine. My critique of them is more about the way they were used in the story, which is more of the writing and story category. So if you want, I can hold off on Yes, that hold off on that. And not make this a We're not, a we're not getting a cat's loosey-goosey. We're sticking to the criteria Okay, here. fine. And then Robert Downey Jr., so I was reading about this. So the, the Dr. Doolittles we've seen before, I think the first one was just English by default because the actor was English, yeah, right? Harrison. Yeah. Was he English? I don't know. Sure. I don't know. No one knows. And then you have the remakes with Eddie Murphy, 
Right. Obviously American, but... They're not necessarily even remakes, per se. They're more, like, inspired by the same character, because they're, like, yeah. a modern-day... That's true. It is a modern ...telling version. of it. Um, so this one, I was reading Robert Downey Jr. kind of wanted to do a different spin on it. He didn't want to just do a typical English accent, so he chose to be from Wales. Um, oh, so is that what it Welsh was? So it's a Welsh accent. Oh, okay. And he based the character on this kind of eccentric Welsh doctor from the 18-somethings. Okay. Kind of wild. <laughs> so he did base his iteration of the character on a real person. Okay. Obviously, who couldn't talk to animals, but... <laughs> uh, no one knows that for sure. No one knows that for sure. But yeah, I thought he did a fine job, and his character was certainly engaging. It's interesting seeing him play essentially a character who has been hurt really badly. Like, you know, he had his heart broken and right. he's basically just hiding himself away from the outside world until it literally comes knocking on his door. Okay. I have two main issues to bring up. Okay. And one, the second one I'm going to leave because it's going to be our bridge into criticizing the story, overall story as a category within our format. Mm -hmm. Okay. So first of all, yes, Robert Downey Jr. is fine. However, I read this article and it was very, really made me think. Mm -hmm. I wish I could, I could probably find it again. I don't, whatever. No one cares. Basically, <laughs> Hollywood has this issue, and we kind of saw this with Men in Black International was not nearly as successful as they had hoped. Right. And I had Chris Hemsworth, who is very famous because he is Thor in the Marvel Universe. Here we have Iron Man from the Marvel Universe. Basically... We're now in, like, a post-movie star era. Right. We have, we have touched on this briefly. Before. Sure. And I want to touch on it a little bit more in depth here. So, Robert Downey Jr., the, I think people... One of the reasons people think this movie bombed is that they say he cannot necessarily carry a movie on his name alone. And that's not necessarily a critique against him personally. Because, as I say, in this post-movie star era... Almost no one can carry a movie just on them being the star of the movie, right? And I was thinking about it, you know, having read this article, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty true, I would say. Um, who who even is there, would you say, that can carry a movie? I, I brought this up last time we talked about this, and I said The Rock. Okay, so Dwayne Johnson, I would agree, is one. Tom Cruise. And even Tom Cruise, it's kind of hard... Because at the same time, he is just basically being in, like, established IP franchise roles, right? right? Like, yes, you can say, oh, yeah, well, people go to see Mission Impossible because Tom Cruise is awesome. Yeah, no, but at the, that's why they went to see Mission Impossible 20 years ago when they made the first yeah. one, two, and three. Now, Mission Impossible is no different than Fast and the Furious. It's just a franchise a string of, you know, six or however many movies and you're just like, yep, I know what I'm getting. Yeah. I'm getting Tom Cruise. I'm getting crazy explosions. I'm getting, like, helicopter chases and skydiving and yeah. climbing buildings. So this movie's a couple years old now, but I'd say, I mean, Tom Cruise did a great job in Edge of Tomorrow. True. Like, yes. I mean, granted, he, yeah, he was, like, the main draw of that movie, but... But then, like, Oblivion? Have, like, an original story. Yeah, no, Oblivion kind of... Didn't did, Oblivion flop a little bit? I, I mean... I don't think it was a monster success, whether or not it was a flop officially or if it just kind of was like, meh. Yeah. The other the other point that something I read made about this movie, going into the problem with the story, 
And so, yeah, I don't think it was really an issue of Robert Downey Jr. or any of the other actors. They're all very professional. The CGI, I thought, was fine. I mean, we're used now, we're used to um, seeing CGI animals. We've seen Jungle yeah. Book. Um, I feel like in this one, I mean, the animals looked fine. But I felt like some of the larger animals, like the polar, like bear. the polar bear and the gorilla, the gorilla and the giraffe, were, the tiger, maybe yeah, were more still cartoonish. Like yeah, they didn't try to go supremely realistic, like in the Lion King. Sure. And do you think that might have been an intentional choice because it's supposed to be more kid friendly and? Yeah, I do. They're going with the, I mean, that's especially some of the characters, like the polar bear. Yeah. Even the interplay with the tiger, who the tiger is kind of this villainous it wants animal to eat in one him. scene. <laughs> right. It, it wants revenge because it's crazy, basically, and he was the psychiatrist who couldn't cure him, right? Yeah. Um, it's like a Hannibal Lecter like, tiger. Right. So basically, do you think they made them a little more cartoonish because their characters were supposed to be the comic relief of Yeah, this I think they were. And I mean the 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 character Polly is like a parrot or she's a, a macaw. Um Is a macaw not a parrot? Yeah, no, it is a parrot, but okay. anyway. <laughs> to be more specific, she's a macaw. Right. And she kind of is um she's kind of a main character. Like she narrates some of the story, she mm-hmm. kind of moves the plot along, and she really sort of coaches the characters throughout it. So she encourages the little boy to go on the journey. She kind of goes against Dr. Doolittle's wishes and forces him out of his comfort zone. Like she, and I felt she looked more like an actual, like real bird. Like I was kind of confused sometimes about whether or not they just trained a macaw to do it. <laughs> I mean, they, maybe for some seasons. Cause they're very smart. Had, had so. <laughs> they just CGI'd yeah. They the just same. kind of CGI'd a bird a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't bother me that the CGI was a little less than perfect. Um, I mean, it's nowhere near like when you go back and watch like Spider-Man or Harry Potter movies from 15 years ago Yeah, and it's very, like you see them now on a big high definition TV in your living room and the CGI looks horrible. Yeah. Right? Whereas before, <laughs> if you were watching them at home on your, you know, 32 or 36 inch regular TV... 20 years ago, you'd be like, oh, yeah. you wouldn't Don't, really don't make it. the mistake we did and watch your DVD of Harry Potter on an HD TV. It just looks terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, we're okay with the CGI, yeah. basically. I, You know, this is, again, one of those, I don't know, acting, writing, whatever. The, the comic relief interplay was, like, a little over the top for me at points. It's one of those where, like, I'm sure kids enjoy it, but adults kind of roll your eyes, maybe. It was a little juvenile. Yeah. I think that might be more of the dialogue, but also I think how some of the actors, like the interplay between John Cena's polar bear and what, Nanjiani, is that his name, right? Oh, yeah. Kumail Nanjiani as the ostrich. Yeah. It was a little much. Like, and it's funny because we just saw Kumail Nanjiani as a similar character in Men in Black International. Yeah, where he's this tiny alien <laughs> that's just very kind of smart mouthed and sassy and and whatnot. And here we have him playing the exact same thing, you know. And nothing against him; he's hilarious on Silicon Valley. I love that show. And I, you know, he's had success. I mean, he wrote and directed the Big Sick, mm-hmm. right? 
so he's great. It's just that it's kind of like, really, it seems a little tight cast. And I'm like, yeah, we're, haven't we seen this shtick before? You know, can we get something else maybe? Yeah. But again, it's maybe they know their audience is kids and going a little more juvenile and the mm-hmm. kind of the sassy smart mouth thing that a kid could imagine. Yeah. You know, oh, I wish I could say that to my parents. And, and they did go a little um, melodramatic with Michael Sheen's. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, he and, was basically. And Jim Broadbent's, like. So basically, the two of them are. I'm going to spoil this movie for you. Are plotting to kill the Queen of England so that Jim Broadbent can become king. Because he's, like, the leader of parliament or something. Is that. You didn't, yeah. Sure, okay. Yeah, That's no, what's I, happening. <laughs> okay, well, no, I mean, I knew that they were conspired to kill, to poison the queen. Yes. Is the little girl her daughter or not? No. She, I, 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 okay, so there's the, the little girl is like lady somebody, and I she's thought it like was maybe the queen's like, like handmaiden. She was like the daughter, and therefore like the, you know, it'd be one of those, oh, I will become the protector of, you know, the regent or whatever, yeah. who you know, guides the country as we wait for the new queen to come of age, and therefore I'll actually be the puppet master with all the power. No, because the queen is not current Queen Elizabeth. Queen Victoria? It's... Wouldn't it be Queen Victoria? I think it's Queen Victoria. Right. Yeah. Oh, so she, Well, but she had children. No, I was under the impression... Or she's just like a made-up queen that it doesn't really matter. Anyway. Right? Anyway. Point is, I think the little girl was like an orphan or something that, like... Or she's the daughter of somebody who's basically the queen's handmaid. Like, she just is kind of there as, like, a companion to the queen. Which is something that they have done for generations. Sure. The queen has a consort, I guess. or a, But not, like, in a weird way. <laughs> what do you call that? Just, like... I think, I think handmaid is, like, the correct terminology. Okay. Anyway. Um, but, yeah. They didn't really quite establish who she was or why she was important. Oh, yeah, just that she's, like, the, the queen's queen. assistant. Okay. So then we have Michael Sheen, who is basically like da- uh like what like Snidely Whiplash. Like yeah. he is a ridiculous and somewhat incompetent like cartoon villain. Like I'm almost surprised he didn't have like the mustache he could sit there and twirl. <laughs> you know, I'll yeah. get them this time. Because that's basically his character. He is a caricature. And nothing wrong with that, I think, for a movie that's basically a kids level movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but that definitely is going to, I feel the problem is we've now, because we have CGI cartoon, well, I mean, they're not cartoon characters, but we have CGI animals. We have this like caricature villain and kind of really paper thin plot. Right. And right. it's literally, oh, the queen's been poisoned. We need to sail to the ends of the earth. First, we have to recover the journal slash map to show how to get to this mystical island at the edge of the world where the only antidote flower or tree or whatever grows, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's already kind of like... So it's now Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like every horror. movie about sailing. <laughs> I mean, that's like Sinbad movies from the 60s yeah. had plots like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, not very original, right? But the point is, we've now, we've now automatically, when you put all these elements together, I feel like you've downgraded it from being like, oh, this could actually be a kid's movie that adults too might enjoy, to now we're in the realm of, like, the Dudley Do-Right, Rocky and Bullwinkle right. but type if, movies. If you're you know, making Yogi Bear. a movie based on a book from 1922, you're going to have those sort of 
There's plenty of books from 1922 that make pulp-ish great movies. Element pop. You can have pop it? and pulp elements and not make a crappy movie. I mean, comic books and we just saw whatever it was it. Whenever recently, I don't know what order episode this will be, but um, like the shadow that we just watched. That was the episode had right ele- before okay. this one. <laughs> the shadow had elements. We don't always watch these in order. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> Getting a, a view behind how the sausage is made. Behind the scheme. Um, the Shadow had elements of, you know, pulp fiction. And, yeah, it wasn't a great movie, but it wasn't awful. No, but it... Oh, so you're saying... Okay, you're saying Doolittle is awful? No, I'm saying... <laughs> Doolittle is... The Shadow had plenty of campy elements, just like this one does. But this... Okay, the only reason this movie is not awful is because it still works for a target audience, which is children. Right. If this was not, like, if this was a very adult movie where you were like, I'm never taking my kids to see that. I mean, like, a like on the level of, like, a more, maybe, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, where, yeah, I'd let my kids see it if they understand, you know, or something like that. Some people would let their kids see it, some wouldn't. Maybe if it's a little more adult than that. Mm-hmm. Then, no, this movie would have been a horrible fail. Yeah. One other thing I want to talk about with the story before we move on. I'm not even done with my main point about the story, so we're not moving on. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Is, so, granted, I don't really remember from the Eddie Murphy ones, or I never saw the original one, um, is I always thought that Dr. Doolittle had some sort of supernatural ability to talk to animals. Like, it right. wasn't yeah. just that he studied how to talk to animals and figured it out, because in this one... He's essentially teaching the boy how to talk to animals. It's not like he has this natural ability, and it's not like he has just, oh, yeah, just whatever weird part of his brain lets him understand animals. Yeah, no, exactly. There's a scene where they kind of transition. It's the, you know, the shimmer kind of, whoa, now we're in this, and yeah. everything has changed, and now we're speaking the language. And so it's he's talking to the gorilla, and he's going, ooh, wah, and making, you know, hand gestures yeah. and things. And he's, you know, making little clicks and chirps and things to other animals. That I did not like. Oh, yeah. Did you? I mean, I didn't I didn't care either I, way. Like, it didn't bother me. If you're going to make it where a man can talk to animals, like, yeah, it's kind of a supernatural power. Like, just make it a supernatural power. Yeah. I did think it was weird that they didn't do that here. Um, so what's your, your, your primary okay. complaint about the story? So another, an article I read. Yeah, this is your problem. You keep reading articles. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I do research for these movies How to try you? to get better context for, you know, what people think. Okay. It was spot on. In the very beginning of the movie, we have this introduction it's to like his character. It's like a storybook introduction. Yeah, like this, you see the little storybook, you see the like kind once of... once upon a time, right. there was and a we boy, see the little, fell in love with this girl. Right, yeah. and there's little kind of animated cutouts of the thing, of the characters, and we show that, you know, that they fell in love, and they did it, and this is who they are, and he can talk to animals, and then she went off and died, and he was all sad. And now we're in the present day, where he's kind of a hermit, locked in his house, on this, essentially like a national park. The queen yeah. by the queen. And mm-hmm. so the fear is that if the queen dies, he and all of his animal friends will be kicked off their land because they're, you know, the powers that be who are currently there. Because um, she, she bequeathed the it to him for life. And he thought that meant his life, but apparently it's for the queen's life. So now we're in, now we're set up for who he is. And now we're in how Dr. Doolittle got his groove back. 
right? Yes. So, why don't we get the story of the little storyboard animation, here's how we got here? That would have made a way better movie. How did he become <laughs> Dr. Doolittle? No, and it's true. So, the, the, the article made the a comparison to Sherlock Holmes. Uh-huh. And Again, starring Robert Downey starring Jr. Starring Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> And I honestly don't remember what it said, but it was like, yeah, it's a lot better where we see how, you know, kind of how everything comes together. Does that make sense? So maybe they didn't do that here because I feel like Dr. Doolittle is a very well-known character. He's not a well-known, to today's audience? Heck no. A oh, book okay. from the, you're the one who just said it's a book from the 20s. But I mean, they made a lot of Dr. Doolittle movies when we were growing up, so. They made two. Oh, Oh, honey, you don't even know how many sequels there are. To what? To the Eddie Murphy ones? Yeah. Are well, all technically, like, all the sequels like focus on his daughter who inherits his ability to talk yeah, to animals. So who cares about that? I, anyway, but yes, the, I thought it was you know fairly well known that Doctor Doolittle is a doctor who can talk to animals. So I felt like that part didn't really need to be elaborated on. Like I felt like I knew enough information. If I had not read anything about this, and if I did not have a father who had an extensive movie collection and owns the original and had shown it to us when we were kids, mm -hmm. I would have thought that, like, the Eddie Murphy one was just a brand new thing that they made up, and they are like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if there was this guy who talked to animals and he was, like, an animal psychologist or whatever? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, okay. So, it's That's not like... Fair. Like, the one they made in the 60s, which bombed and almost bankrupted the studio that mm -hmm. produced it, right? And it's funny that this one's also probably going to bomb and not bankrupt because it's universal. They've, they, got, be they got that Jurassic <laughs> Fast and Furious. They money. got that, uh, they got that, and they got uh, the Fast and Furious. Fast movie. and Furious. So <laughs> anyway, no, it's a good point though. Like why aren't we getting the interesting story of how he got here in the first place? Like they just kind of are like, Hey, here's this guy and he's really interesting. All this stuff. Gloss over that. Okay. Let's have a story now. No. Why? I mean, is it just because he's older? Like, that doesn't have to... I mean, it could have been a love story. I don't know. They could have done a lot of different things. I don't know if they... And, and I didn't... Well, I didn't hate the children in this movie, and they weren't bad actors or anything. Yeah. I almost wonder if it was that we know this is for kids, and we're going to pander, and we're going to put a child character prominent front and center, like they did with Jurassic Park. Kind yeah. of, and that's a big criticism a lot of people have for Jurassic Park. It's a great movie, but the worst thing of that movie is the children. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So, and I, again, I'm not saying the children were bad here, but it's like, did we have a relationship between him and his now apprentice instead of him and his love interest because we wanted to have a child so that children would connect to that? Maybe. Do you think children even care? Honestly. Like, so we've, we we've shown our children so many movies. They don't have kids. They have, you know, just normal adult adventurer type things. Yeah. I mean, like, Marvel movies. In a few years, when they're a little bit older, I'm sure I'll have, be very happy to introduce them to Indiana Jones. Yeah. There's no chill. I mean, okay, there's short round in the second one. But the funny <laughs> thing is, that's the scariest one that you wouldn't want your kids to even watch. So That was the one I watched <laughs> way too much as a child. <laughs> I don't even know if kids even... I, I feel like it's some marketing bean counter guy, you know, who greenlights films and is like, oh, we got to have a kid. Why? Well, we want to bring in the kid audience. Kids don't care. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. That's true. 
I guess, are we done with story? I mean, it's weird that it's it's so it's a book, right, or is it a collection of books? It's it's so the Voyages of Doctor Doolittle is the second book. Okay. So there's at least two. You know what I feel like, as far as kid things go, mm-hmm. it would be like if you made Prince Caspian or you made Voyage of the Dawn Treader before you ever made a Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movie. Could you imagine that? You just thrust him in. You're like, oh, here we go. There's this weird, you know, armoire in the thing. Oh, where are we? We're in a magical kingdom. What? You know, hey, get on the boat. Wouldn't that be kind of weird? Uh, yeah, yeah, it would be. So, <laughs> racking my brain trying, trying to, to remember, remember that movie, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader and Prince Caspian. Yeah. There were the ones with Eustace. Oh, the second Eustace. one, Prince Caspian is the one where Eustace is kind of a jerk, and then I think Don Treader is where he's a little older and he's not so much of a jerk. Don Treader is the one with um, the, the the rat mouse, yeah. whatever uh-huh. thing yeah, that just boat. made me like sob when yeah. he goes off to Rat Valhalla or whatever. <laughs> <Yes. Okay. laughs> um, so, despite the flaws in the story, is this movie engaging? Like, were you bored during it? So we saw it in theaters. So, so I didn't okay. have like my iPad to be like, you know, to grab and yeah. get distracted by so, like when we're watching it at home. So we were at a kid's birthday party. So, and I had to leave early for work. So I missed pretty much the entire movie. Like between getting popcorn and taking children to the bathroom and right. getting drinks and whatever else. I missed a lot. So I had to go back and see this movie again <laughs> because yeah. I missed so she much She had to of pay it. twice to see this movie. Hey, I You're didn't welcome. pay the first time. That's true. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I did have to go see it again. And I mean, I thought it was perfectly engaging. Like there was no point where I was bored or confused or, you know, I thought it strung the story on. But it's a kid's movie, right? Yeah. Like, you'd be happy to put this movie on when it's on HBO or Netflix or something in, like, six months. You'd probably be happy to throw it on and just have it be something on in the background that the kids can half pay attention yeah. to while, while they I'm play, like, while you're doing whatever, or... right? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. But at the same time, so compare it to other films that are not good that are like that. Is mm-hmm. this movie better or worse than the Emoji movie? See, the fact that you have to think about that is not good. See, okay, <laughs> we're going to watch the Emoji Movie for an episode. Okay. And I kind of liked the Emoji Oh, my movie. God. <laughs> but it's, like, widely hated by everyone ever, yeah, right? But, Except like, little it children. It has its moments, okay? So... I think that's why I had to think about it because I'm debating whether which like neither of them were particularly terrible for me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, I'll, I don't know. Like, I've never point. watched Snow Buddies or Santa Buddies or whatever the heck buddy movie right. our kid is obsessed with. Yeah. Like I'm not watching that. Like I'll watch this. <laughs> I think the problem is as far as kids content goes is mm-hmm. kids are like voracious consumers of media. True. Right, because they don't have jobs, and they don't have to just go to school sometime when they're younger, and then in the summer they're not in school, and so other than you know playing with toys or playing in the yard or going to the park or whatever, like you know they're spending a good amount of time watching yes. TV and movies and stuff. And right? we can pretend we're fabulous parents yeah, and we not. limit their screen time, but they they watch more TV than they should. <laughs> We limit their screen time in the sense that they're like, in school or daycare part of the day. It's like, mommy wants to sleep in for day. half an hour. Just go so watch, go something. watch yeah. something. <laughs> so, 
that being said, because kids are a very big market, mm-hmm. even though they're not necessarily the paying market, but we, their parents are, there's a lot of content. I don't think that the kids segment of TV shows and movies is any less competitive than the coveted, you know, 18 to 49 demographic that, you know, Hollywood loves to go after, right? Yeah. So I think there's just as much kind of effort, albeit in a totally different way from different people, but there's just as much effort put in to making good streaming series, you know, on Disney Plus and on Netflix and whatever for kids as there is put into making stuff that adults are going to want to watch. Yeah. Right? Kids, though, I mean, there's such a varying degree of... I mean, the age effort. I mean, yeah, age thing, too. But, I mean, just compared to, like, the TV shows that, like, our kids really like, each episode doesn't really have much of a plot. There's usually, like, the the overarching bad guy who is very cartoonish and obviously a villain mm-hmm. and the MacGuffin, the thing that they're trying to stop the bad guy from getting. Yeah. And, but I mean, some kids movies or the race to get it first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you, with, liter- you realize you literally just described this movie. Yeah. So that's then, what I'm saying. So I'm saying that this isn't necessarily <laughs> any worse, but it's than not any stories. better either. Okay. And so that's my point that I'm bringing up is, you could just as much have your kid watching, like, Disney shows like Sophia the First or Elena of Avalor, which are literally this movie except every 22 minutes in episodic form. Yeah. <laughs> and with an overall narrative. In fact, you know what? Great. You want to make a Dr. Doolittle TV show about an animated, you know, show about a doctor who can talk to animals so, in Victorian England? Doc McStuffins. But... Yeah, basically. <laughs> make Doc McStuffins except combine it with the adventure of those aforementioned yeah. shows. And they're not stuffed animals. They're, they're real. Yeah, they're real animals. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd have a hit show. Here you go, Disney. <laughs> I know you're listening. Well, I don't know. If, and I don't know who owns the rights to this, because obviously Disney didn't make this one. Yeah. But, like, people but, people can talk to animals. It's like a superpower sometimes. They could just pretend it's uh, something else. So. Disney has enough money. They could buy it. Okay. Since you clearly thought this movie was okay, what did this movie do well specifically where you're like, oh yeah, it's pretty good? I mean, there's nothing like, there's nothing I can really pinpoint that okay. says like You just think your overall impression great, is that it's But okay. there's also nothing I can pinpoint where I was like, oh gosh, it's terrible. It's just a mediocre movie. Yeah. It's not bad. So not bad, but it's not, not good. great. It's not good. It's definitely not great. Did you roll it's your eyes at the uh, fart, the giant fart joke scene? Okay. Or were you like, "Oh, that's hilarious"? Okay, so I feel like that was very pandering to kids who one, think that stuff is hilarious. I do not think fart jokes are funny. Right. I do not think farts are funny. Okay. I think farts are disgusting, and. I don't like fart jokes, period. So it didn't necessarily bother me that it was in the movie. I know it's something that kids think are funny, but, you know, 24-year-old stoners also think fart jokes are funny. So it was fine. <laughs> okay. I kind of rolled my eyes a bit. I was like, all right, well, there's our... So there's our, we got to check that box. At the end of this movie, they make it to the magic tree, and there's which is guarded by a dragon who happens to be constipated because she's been eating people people and armor 
Well, basically, she's got blockage she's, from she's Spanish up. conquistador armor. Yeah. And then he fishes out the armor, and then she farts in his face. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> I guess I could have done without that part. Um, speaking of the dragon. Yes. So, since we've established that he knows how to talk to animals because he basically has learned how to use their same sounds and whatnot. Yeah. Why how does, he, how does he magically know how to talk how to the dragon instantly? Dragon. Yeah. That's, that's a great funny. question. Pothole. <laughs> oh, okay. no. Remember? Okay. So, um. No, he wrote his article. He wrote about an dragon. article. Yeah, an essay. Or an essay. A scientific paper positing the existence of dragons. So, maybe he. Like, figure maybe it's a dialect close enough to some other living animal that he was able to, you know, how people who, what is it, Finland and Norway and Sweden, like, if you know one of the languages, you can basically oh, figure out the so other you're saying two. Maybe Dragonese is mutually yeah. intelligible with yeah. some other language. Some other lizard. Okay, so going back to what this movie did well, here's one thing I did think that was cool in the movie. Okay. You basically have animal-powered, like, steampunk Victorian technology that yes. they harness. whale power. Which is actually kind of cool. So they basically go down, find some whales, and are like, hey, whales, can we hook up to you and basically turn our boat into, like, a whale chariot? Yes. <laughs> that was actually kind of cool. And I, it would have been cool to see more of that, where he's, like, not just this guy who can talk to animals, but he's kind of like a weird, like... Leonardo da Vinci, Sherlock Holmes genius, who just comes yeah. up with like crazy Rube Goldberg contraptions using the yeah. animals. Or to like do stuff. sent in the birds like a like drones to scout the tree before they just climb into this cave. <laughs> Wait, like in the beginning when he or well not a little bit into it when they're in the house and he's like, Oh, I'm gonna make lunch. I would have liked to see like a um like a Wallace and Gromit type, yeah. you know, machine where like he it did have a lunch machine, but it didn't like really do. I mean, it, he did, but like it didn't. It wasn't as big and crazy and contraptionized as it could have been, you know. Okay, I feel like <laughs> wasn't contraptiony enough for you. Yeah, like play that up. Just go ridiculous with it. Yeah, that's why I say like Wallace and Gromit level. Like uh -huh. it. Kicks him out of bed and makes the stuff and starts cooking. The, and like, it was almost more that the animals all jumped in to help make stuff yeah. together. Mm -hmm. And then we have to talk about the duck. So I forget what her name is. Octavia Spencer. Yeah. Like, no, but like the character's name oh, is like cares? Lala or something like that. Anyway, she's incompetent. So she's supposed to be his like assistant kind of. Oh. And he's like, hand me the forceps. And she hands him like. Like celery. Celery. Or something. And then later on in the movie, it's like an ongoing joke that she like sucks at her job. And like later on, she hands him some leeks and some right. celery and again. That's actually and needs, like, though, at some point, right? Yes. At one point, it's something he does actually need, but it's really dumb. It's like, why is this here? I don't know. If, did the kids laugh? I, I don't remember. It was a. Well, so it's interesting, in too, row. is, like, so you, you, when he saw it, there weren't that many people there. So there was us and maybe, like, one other family. Right. When I went to go see it, it was me, or it was a whole bunch of old couples and me. Because you saw it on, like, $5 Tuesday. Yeah, I like saw it on, like, a discount morning, yeah. day in the morning. Right. So it was all just elderly, senior citizen couples on, like, an afternoon date to see Doolittle. 
and they were laughing. Like really? <laughs> they thought parts of it were funny. I don't know how much of that is. I don't know. Just the. They're senile. Yeah. So I don't want to be <laughs> offensive, but basically, like I'm gonna use my own mother as an example for this. Like she used to hate animated movies. She hated kids' TV shows that were cartoons. Like she just, just thought that they were infantile and stupid, and like never wanted to watch them. But the last couple years. She sat down and watched like two hours of Barbie Life in the Dream House with our kid and thought the show was funny and well, like had stuff but, to say. But going back to what I was saying, it's possible and it's a good thing that the overall quality of stuff being given to kids is going up because yeah. it is such a competitive market along with every other segment. So maybe it's just that the quality is better. Maybe. Or your mom has dementia. <laughs> One of the two. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think it's something that, I, yeah, I don't think cynical adults are going to enjoy this movie, but it's a fine family movie. It's, so, not, like, it's not like a Pixar movie in that there's going to be stuff for you and stuff for the kids, but it's, it's, a, it's an enjoyable time at the movies. Like, I, asked I, my sister, I asked my sister what she thought, okay, mm -hmm. because she was there at the birthday party. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, yeah, it was fine. She's like, it's the kind of movie my children would enjoy, probably. Um, her kids are older than ours, and some of them are teenagers. And I don't know how much the oldest one would enjoy it. She's like, yeah, my kids would probably enjoy it. There's a dragon, so she'd like she, it. That's true. <laughs> um, she was weirdly off-put by what she thought was his Scottish accent. Apparently it's a Welsh accent. Welsh. Or whatever. Um, People from Wales, let us know if it's good my, or not. <laughs> here's my overall... Final impression, if you may, unless you have anything else to say. No, that's fine. Um, this movie, kind of like The Shadow, it makes me mad more than anything. Like, not rage, but just like, kind of, ugh. Mad, frustrated? Frustrated in the same way that, like, a crappy Green Lantern movie made me feel. Or, like, subpart DC movies in general have made me feel. Or, you know, stuff like that, where I'm like, you know what? The source material is good, mm -hmm. right? Like, it is perfectly fine. I guarantee you that if you took, like, some of the top filmmakers, whether writers, directors, whatever, producers, and you really put them and their minds to it, they could definitely make an amazing movie out of something like this. Yeah. The same way they could take The Shadow and make an amazing movie. I just have a great, like, R-rated version of this movie. So Gosh, what? Okay. okay, go ahead. Okay, continue. So what if Doctor Doolittle has this supernatural ability to talk to animals and uses animals to kill? He's like a serial killer. Yeah, so the mode of death is animals. The zookeeper from Futurama. Yeah, totally. So that's what bugs me the most about this is when we get crappy, it just seems like they're just phoning it in to some degree. Or, I mean, it might be sad. Maybe they're trying their best, in which case I'm just kind of sad, and I'm like, really? <laughs> you thought that this would be your best? Like, there's nothing special or original about it, is the problem with this movie. Mm -hmm. But how much of that is the fault of the fact that it is a reboot versus... I'm trying to think of something recently where it was either a reboot or a remake or something that did do something unique and interesting. No, that's without, what I'm saying. Like, rehashing. There, some of the top original filmmakers can take a genre film and they can be subversive and they can twist it in a certain way and they can make it more original. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm trying to think of an example of that. 
I mean, I think even the first three Pirates of the Caribbeans were better exa- better examples of of that. Right, of like a typical pirate movie. Um, yeah. Certainly better than Cutthroat Island, that's for sure. Thinking like the way that, for example, Quentin Tarantino will say, hey, I'm going to take a black exploitation film idea and I'm going to, you know, kind of twist it and put my own spin on it and whatever. And mm-hmm. then you have... Or you, or um, with other his other movies where you take a historical event, yeah, and or just kind of play with it a little, yeah. Bit. <laughs> or you say, hey, or like with Django, I'm gonna make you know a western, except totally, you know, or hateful eight. Take the western genre, but just go off in a totally crazy direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Christopher Nolan took you know comic book films, but he made them more. He made them deep and kind of critical of the darkness of our world and you know i mean mm-hmm. i don't know i'm not gonna write an essay here about those films but there's a reason that they're kind of lifted up as the gold standard of what you can do for at least batman yeah. whether or not you think they're the best comic book films of all time i think people liked Watchmen, but my big flaw or my big criticism of Watchmen is that you can't capture what it really meant because it was very critical of the era. So we're not talking about the TV show, which we have not seen. About, we're talking about the, the movie. movie. Which, it's not a bad movie, so it's not like we're going to watch it on here. But just having read the comic book, it doesn't even compare. Because mm-hmm. the comic book is all about the mentality of the Cold War in the 80s. And, you know, we're at we're close to nuclear war at all times. And the kind of the crushing weight of that on our society. Yeah. And then the, the movie, you know, was... Not at all. Didn't have that element, I felt. Um, I don't know, it's hard to pick maybe more examples, but I just feel like this is certainly, this type of movie we've seen. I mean, like I said, Sinbad movies, kind of, like you said, pirate movies from back in the day, because there's a big element of nautical chases and, you know, going off on an adventure to find the the MacGuffin. I mean, Indiana Jones, Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings to some extent. Like, a lot of... Across all genres, this is a very safe um, storyline formula, right. right? I would just like, I'd like to see it treated better. And because even if you're still making a kid's movie, you can still make, you can be Pixar and make a kid's movie that parents will be happy to take their children to. Instead of say, oh man, that's the only thing playing for yeah. our kids' like, like movie like birthday how event. We voluntarily watch Coco every once in a while and then cry a lot. <laughs> Sure. So, does this movie deserve its 15% on Tomatoes? <sighs> like, that's such a low score. What's it on Metacritic, though? It's like 26%, 26, right? Which is pretty I'd much, just, like, twi- Like there's hardly anything below a 20 on Metacritic. I know. That's pretty bad. It's it's very bad. <laughs> I'm gonna say no. And it's not like children are the ones giving it an 86% on Google. Like, right. those have to be at least teenagers. Like... <laughs> Well, I mean, the thing about Google user score is, like, most people who watch movies are not the type of people who are moviegoers who, like, discuss movies on Reddit and listen to podcasts about movies and read articles about movies. You know what I mean? Most people just... A lot of people just go down to Redbox and whatever's there, yep, that's what we're watching this weekend. Right? Right. I have known these people... Right? For years and years. And I've said that before on here. Like, most people are not very uh, discerning when it comes to what they consume. Right. So, I'm going to say it's a little low, but I don't know if it's that low. 
Like, if it's too low. So, do you wish you had not watched this movie? No, I wouldn't say that. It wasn't so bad that I hated myself while watching it. I enjoyed my time. Because mainly, the problem is, I was there with my daughter. Right. <laughs> you know? And while I wasn't, like, sitting there, like, you know, it, it was still kind of a bonding, you know, hey... This is a family thing. We're doing it as a family. Right. And so, in that respect, and I love movies. But I mean, we've had an experience recently with, say, Frozen 2. Like, we all watched that. We all liked that. Yeah, and that was a better experience. And it was a better experience than this. But I still didn't hate this movie. I don't ever care to watch this movie again. Yeah, so if the kids are like, oh, let's watch Doolittle. I'd be like, well, I mean, I'm not going to... I'm going to read the iPad. Yeah, oh, (laughs) for sure. I won't actively avoid it, but if they're watching it, it's... I mean, it is on the same level as a lot of the dribble that they just watch, you know? Right. They kind of jump around between the different streaming services we have, and they'll watch a show, or they'll watch a movie. I'll fall asleep on the couch, or I'll, like, go in the office and play video games or whatever. I'm like, okay, you guys enjoy the movie, you know, I'll make lunch in two hours when it's over. That's, it's fine for that. Mm -hmm. It's fine for just filler. Yeah. Which a lot of the movies on our podcast are kind of that level. Mm -hmm. It's just, this is more of the, this actually will probably get more play because it's filler for kids. And kids notoriously will watch crap over and over and over again. Whereas adults will be like, oh, huh, that movie... Yes. You'll watch it once. If you suffered through me on Twitter over the summer, where I watched Frozen so many times, I started questioning what type of monarchy Arendelle was. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then later on, with, I don't remember what other movie, I also equally questioned <laughs> the world it was set in. Uh, wow. Yeah. So much, so much. Like, I just had to think about something else. Alright. So, should people watch this movie? If you have children, sure. What if they don't have children? No. (laughs) No, why would you watch this movie if you don't have kids? Hey, plenty of people like movies geared towards children who aren't children. Like, apparently old couples, like, dug this movie. I bet if I asked my dad who's in his 70s and loves Disney and loves kind of, for him, the whole childhood innocence and trying to recapture that in, you know, his media, I think, is is kind of an element. Yeah. My dad probably liked this movie. I guarantee you my parents saw it. <laughs> On a $5 Tuesday morning. They might have been at the same show as me. <laughs> um, no, they. my dad probably... It, would, but my dad is the kind of guy, he doesn't hate anything. He will find something redeeming about anything. Like, Swim Fan. I think he... Like, we saw that together Some when I was in high like school. Some Swim Fan. Okay. <laughs> I, we're watching that on this podcast because I guarantee you that movie has, like, a 10% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. You looking it up? I'm looking it up oh, now. I, yeah. It has a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 29% on Metacritic. So, so it's actually better than... Exactly <laughs> this movie. Yes. Okay. Any final thoughts on Doolittle? I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is great. He just sad that, you know, this movie couldn't also be good enough for him, I think. Yeah. You know? And like I said, I'm upset that, like, basically people need to step up their game. And I don't know if it's, like I said, if they're trying hard and they're just like, this is the best they could do, in which case I'm like, first of all, 
Robert Downey Jr. is one of the producers, I'm sure, of this movie, or yeah. definitely had some input. Yeah. Why wasn't he like, no, someone else, get a different script, or get a different, whatever. He was like, yeah, sure, okay. Well, so the director wrote it. Right. So it might be one of those situations we've speculated about before that they don't get enough of that second opinion. Could be. Like, this is but their vision. You you think that when the main star is, is has way more clout, he could be like, this is dribble. I'm not, yeah, no, we're not maybe. doing this. I don't know. He's the one who chose, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is the one who chose the eccentric Welsh. Well, from what I understand, thing, this was so. like a passion project, and he probably grew up loving the books, and he's wanted to make, you know, this movie for years and years, and now yeah. he's done it. And it's not good. I don't know. I mean, I think the movie has a good message. I think it's perfectly entertaining enough. And it's not terrible. For the record, like, this movie will do fine in the long run, I think. Yeah. Like, so it has, um, just looking at Wikipedia, it has a budget, it had a budget of 175, and it has made 182, which I, that has to include a significant amount of overseas. Yeah. And I bet it's still playing overseas places or whatever, so I'm sure that, that might hedge up to 200, that's still clearly in the it's a bomb category. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, once it gets money from, you know, licensing to HBO or Netflix or whatever, and, you know, they sell, I don't know if people, they even count on DVD sales anymore, because so many people don't even buy DVDs, they just watch it on Netflix. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of One Star Bazaar. As always, you can reach out to us on social media to let us know what you think or what you'd like us to review next. Please rate and review, it lets us know you're listening, and we do appreciate your feedback. Next week is the triumphant return of Molly's Minisodes. Because Jonathan will be gone, and that means I get to watch whatever I want. And next week, oh... And I'm happy about that. <laughs> next week, do I have a treat for you. I'm not going to review this movie so much as I'm going to give you a... Rundown? Rundown of the ridiculousness of it. And uh, treat you to the magic that is Skybound. <laughs> so I will see you then. I don't even know what that is. Oh, <laughs> you're lucky you don't. I think you described it. Is that the one where like they're in the plane? Yes. And it's the whatever. Yeah. Yes. They must yeah. stay Skybound. It's literally speed in an airplane, basically. Kind of. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so bad. I cannot wait.